we in a one-time moment. And every now and then in a service, if we're grateful, God will give us a one-time moment. And it's the moment when the Lord read the scripture to me. Where you at, Dr. Showell? I can't get you too far from me, so y'all make a space so I can so I can see her while I'm talking. Right there. He said, he said that when Paul said, I done went through all that. And before I came here, for weeks the Lord had me to change my phone number and shut myself away in a hotel. This is K-A-Y-T, Gina, Alexandria. This is Gospel Radio at its very best. 88.1. K-A-Y-T. Praising the Lord. Come on, church. Make the noise in this place. Greeting. This is Reverend Lionel Smith, pastor of New Scholar Baptist Church. We are a church that is working towards acquiring the mind of Christ. Sit back and listen to the message already in progress. Many of my thousands would love to have as they lay in their sick bed and as they lay on their beds of affliction, don't even have their right minds nor their faculties nor the use of their extremities. But Father, we say thank you. You have saw fit for us all to be here to stand in this place and serve you. We thank you, Father, that when we entered in the temple on this morning, that the temple was not found with an Ichabod spirit. For Ichabod means that the glory of the Lord has departed. But we thank you that it was found full of love, full of peace, and full of the fruit of the Spirit. Father, we say thank you on this morning, Father, for keeping us and enabling us to get to this present hour. Lord, we thank you simply for everything that you're doing in this season. We thank you for what you're doing through the man of God, the angel, and the under-shepherd of this house. Father, we thank you for the labor thereof. Father, we thank you for the fruits of he and his wife's, wife's labor. Father, we thank you for bringing a fresh anointing to this place on this day. Father, I, it's just my prayer that as I come forth that you would hide me behind the old ageless, yet rugged cross of Calvary. Allow the blood to go before me, Father, and I pray that something that I might say on this morning will lift up the hearts, the heads, the minds, and the spirits of this thy people, that ultimately when all is said and done, that the people will do just as the disciples did and would admit we have seen strange things today. Lord, as these and all blessings we ask in thy darling Son, Jesus the Christ's name. Amen. It's Again, it's just so good to be here, so good to see all the saints of God this morning. Y'all, believe it or not, I look out there and I see, I don't see people based on conditions, situations, and circumstances, but when I look out at the people of God, I, I, I see people that are blessed. I, I see people that, that God is doing a great work in. To the angel and the under-shepherd of this great church, the New Scott Island Baptist Church, our pastor, beloved friend as well, colleague, the, none other than pastor and Bishop Lionel Smith, uh, we thank God for the man of God, the angel that he has uh, set here in charge and over this house to keep it until he comes back 
to receive it unto himself, which, by the way, is soon coming. Oh, so good to see my brother, Brother Dotson over there. So good also to see my uh, brother and my, also my co-labor in the gospel, Brother Basil Smith, and also uh, Minister Charles R. Carter. Good to see you as well. Oh, also Sister Smith. Oh, I'm a fuss. I'm a fusser when I see her. I, I don't see her, but, but, you, uh, but you know what, though? I see who I always call my sweet Aunt Exie. I, good morning, sweet Aunt Exie. Uh, but nevertheless, saints, we know that God is good. And nevertheless, there is a word from Ohio. So good to see my mother here as well. I thank God for her making the necessary sacrifices to be here. Uh, I'll fuss her later for being just a few minutes late. But, but we'll get through it. Uh, uh, Y'all don't remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. He said, I've not come to set... Uh, 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 I've not come to make peace, but I've come to set a man at variance against his own parents, and, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Uh, but nevertheless, saints, we know God is good. Just a little humor. How many of us know that the scripture tells us that, that laughter is like a good medicine? Uh, but nevertheless, if we have uh, our Bibles on this morning, there, there is a word from on high, and a word which I do believe in my spirit is a word and do season. It'll be found in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 3. We'll read verses 7, 8, 9, and 10. If we uh, have our Bibles, if we could all stand for the reading of God's holy word. If we're, if we're able, we won't uh, put any more burden on you than what you can bear on this morning. Again, that's Exodus chapter 7. I mean, Exodus chapter 3, I'm sorry, verses 7, 8, 9, and 10. As I still hear the sound of onion skin, that cues me in to just give the saints a few more minutes, and then we'll traverse the word of God on this morning. Again, that's Exodus chapter 3, verses 7, 8, 9, and, and 10. Are we all there, saints? The word of God reads as thus. It says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Verse 8, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Amorites, the Parasites, the, and the Jebusites. And then verse 9 begins to say, now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the uh, Egyptians oppressed them. Verse 10, come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. We'll read 19 and 20, and we'll stop there. Let's skip to 19 and 20 for our reading and our hearing on this morning. 19, and I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. 
verse 20, this is so important. He says, and I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord on this morning. Uh, and just for a few moments on this morning with your prayers and, of course, with, with the help and the aid of God's Spirit, I just want to talk for a few moments that, that God is moving in a direction to deliver us. You did tell me to slow down, didn't you? God is moving, saints, in a direction to deliver us. Many of us, let's face it, saints, we've had all kinds of afflictions, and we've, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a financial affliction. Maybe it's, it's an emotional affliction. Maybe it's, it's just the stress, the stress and the strain of having to deal with sometimes hard-head children, sometimes our hard-head siblings. You know, sometimes our siblings, they think that, you know, hey, they know what the best way is. They know what, you know, our... Our deceased mother and father would have wanted, and we're going to do it this way, and this is the way that... And, and sometimes it, it causes us... It's so good to see you, Minister Terrell. Sometimes it causes us pain, saints, but, but the message is simple, and it should be clear this morning that God is moving in a direction to, to deliver us. Now, now the, the, the caveat to that... That's a big word I use on my job, but, but the caveat to that is that... We don't know when it's going to be. We don't know exactly how God is going to do it. But you know what, saints? I, I, I believe that, that David would begin speaking these words in Psalm 37 and 7. He tells us to rest in the Lord and, and wait patiently on him. Saints, God is trying to do a, a miracle in, in many people, and, and God is trying to do a great work and many of us, but, but what God needs us to do is just hang on a little while longer. He says right here in the text, he says, you know what, I, ha I have seen what you're going through. I've seen, I've seen your affliction. I've seen what's causing you pain. I've seen what's causing you trouble. He says, you know what, and I've also heard your tears. You know the issue that I have. The issue that I'm having, saints, in verse 7 of our text, is that God is speaking to Moses and God is speaking in the past tense. He says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. He's talking in the past tense. He says, he's not saying that I'm seeing it right now, but he says that whatever it is that they're going through over there in Egypt, I, I already have uh, knowledge of it. I'm already aware of what you're going through is what God is telling us. And he says, you know what, I've, I've seen their affliction. And he says, I've, I've also heard their cry. The painful thing, saints, and this is where we have to be honest, and this is where we have to uh, address real-life issues, is because God has heard us and God has seen us as evidenced in verse 7. But the question that I have is why is it that if God has already seen us and already heard us, why has God not already delivered us? Uh, I'm not talking to people that have been through anything. I'm talking to people that live perfect lives. But sometime in my own personal life, I, I wonder, you know what? I've been praying to God, and I've been looking to go for God to do a thing in me, and, I, and I've been looking for God to show up in my life and start, and start doing things in me. But, but why has God, sometimes the way that people treat me and sometimes the way that people ridicule me, oh, you think just because I'm a preacher it doesn't hurt. You, 
How many of us know that even God has feelings? If you don't think that God has feelings, then go back to the story that takes place uh, between God and Noah in Genesis chapter 6. And God began telling Noah about his innermost feelings, saying how that the people are wicked. And he begins telling Noah, Noah, I'm grieved. You know, oftentimes we think that people don't have feelings, but I'm, I'm, if God created us in his likeness and after the image of the Godhead, I, I'm just, I, I'm naive perhaps and crazy enough to believe that, yes, we have feelings just as God has feelings. God has said, you know what, whatever it is that you're going through and whatever it is that's been oppressing you, he wants you to be sure of one thing on this morning. He says, I have seen it. And he says that I've also heard it. And he says not only that, but he says right there in verse 7, I, I know who it is that is causing you pain. And I know what it is that is causing you pain. Oh, saints, we're we keeping it simple on this morning. A lot of times we'll read the 66 books of the Holy Bible and, and, and we'll just try to make all oh, just a, a, a huge big deal out of it, make it more complicated than it has to be. But, but I, I believe the Bible says that the word of God is written so simple that even the fool should not err. I, I'm, I'm, what, what it is that you're going through, saints, God has has seen it and God has heard it. And we ought to thank God this morning, Brother Rollins, that even when we were going through our affliction, that you know what God says, you know what, I've still given my eyes unto you and I've still given my ears unto you. We ought to thank God that, that even when we, when we didn't know that he had heard us and even when we didn't even think that God was real, we didn't even think, uh, we, we were ready to just give up trusting and believing in God. And God here provided us evidence in his text that everything that you're going to go through in this physical life I'm, I'm aware of it before it even happens. He tells us in the book of Jeremiah that even before we were formed in our mother's belly that he knew us. Saints, he said he's seen it. And he's also heard it. And God is saying that whatever it is or whoever it is that is behind causing you pain, he says, I know who it is. But the question is still, if God has seen it, and Sister Jew, if, if God has heard it, why has, why has God not moved on the behalf of his people? I, I, I have an issue with that. Y'all might not have an issue with that, saints, but I've got an issue with that. And again, in verse 7, he's speaking in the past tense. He's seen it and he's heard it. Saints, in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 2, let's turn there for a moment. Exodus chapter 14, verse 2, we'll look at verse 2, and we'll also look at verse 9, because something happens uh, for us uh, that should serve as a blessing and help us to uh, really understand why sometimes, you know what, God doesn't always come through when we want him. Y'all know the old saying is that God might not come when we want him to, but he's always on time. How, how many of us believe that this morning? I, 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 got, I got a cancer survivor right there raising his hand because he can testify that, you know what, when nobody else could do it and when even doctors had given up on him, oh, he stays steadfast in the faith. And, and one thing that I love about the saints is how that when the saints come out with victory, you know what, they come out also with testimony. When, when God does something in the lives of the saints, saints, we ought to be able to testify about it. 
Exodus chapter 14 and verse 2, and then we'll look at Exodus chapter 14 and verse 9. <sighs> okay, y'all going to make me work. Y'all going to make me read. Okay, I don't even have a volunteer, but that's all right. You know what? Because whatever God is doing in me, it's more than sufficient to keep me. Let's go, saints. Verse 2, he says unto Moses, speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and, and, and encamp. Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and stay right where they are. Uh, it says before, let's go to verse 9. But the Egyptians pursued after them. And all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army uh, and overtook them encamping by the sea beside the same place where God told them to encamp. I've got an issue with that. Now, we can turn back to Exodus chapter 3, but what happens in Exodus chapter uh, 14, verses 2 and verses 9, God tells them in verse 2 to encamp, and then he allows the enemy to come and overtake them in verse 9. Now, watch this. In chapter 14, the children of Israel have already been delivered out of Egypt and away from Pharaoh. Why is it that God would deliver me out of a situation or out of a place and then allow the enemy to come back and overtake me? In Exodus chapter 3, he talks about delivering the children of Israel out of two places, out of the enemy's hand and out of the enemy's land. What happened, my God, what happens in Exodus chapter 14, uh, he's already delivered them out of the Egyptians' land, but now he's about to deliver them out of the Egyptians' hand. Some of you are still caught up in the enemy's land. You know what? But God is about to deliver you from that. Some of you are still caught up in the place and the territory of the enemy. Yes, God, you've been saved, and God has delivered you out of the enemy's hand, but it's time to come out of the enemy's land. You know what God says, and I'm speeding up a little bit, but you know what he says in those last two verses of Exodus chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. He talks about how Pharaoh is going to not let the children of Israel go by a mighty hand. Y'all, that, that blessed me this morning, baby, because he says that Pharaoh has a mighty hand. That's pointing to Pharaoh's strength. But then he says, I'm going to stretch out my hand and then he's going to let you go. Can, can, I, can I go out that door right there? Can I go out that door? I didn't wear my bulletproof vest this morning, so y'all don't shoot me. I might not survive. But the blood is able to keep me. And he told me that, you know what, nothing shall by any means hurt me. Saints, it's time for us to come out of the enemy's land. Many of us have been delivered out of his hand, but now it's time to come out of the enemy's land. Paul the apostle would talk this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. He says, come out from among them and be ye separated, says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and then I will receive you. He says, you know what, uh, come out from among them, but he also says, be ye separated. That's my mother right there, y'all. 33 years ago, I came out from among her. But the umbilical cord was still attached to me, and I had to be separated from her. Because if you keep that umbilical cord attached to a baby too long, it's possible that either the mother or the baby might die. 
We have to come out and be ye separate. Oh, I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 3, saints. Because here it is, God still, he says, he says what you're going through, I've seen it. He says, and I've heard it. And, and he says right here, now watch this. He says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. We might have a doubt whether God has seen us or heard us. But God has no doubt about what he's seen. When God sees something, God's vision, vision is two things. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's sure and it's secure. When God speaks a thing, it's two things. It's sure and it's secure. And that's why in Isaiah 55, uh, chapter 55, verse 11, he begins to say that, you know what? Uh, the words that come out of my mouth shall not return unto me void. Uh, he says, but rather they shall uh, accomplish that which I please and shall prosper in the very thing whereunto I have sent it. That serves as a blessing for me. And I see uh, my sister back there testifying. Thank you, Sister Brenda. Because that means if God said a thing to us, if God spoke a thing to us, then all we have to do is just sit back and wait on it to pay. Is it anybody in the house on this morning that can testify that God's word is so when God told me he delivered well he would deliver me out of the hand of the oppressor God delivered me when God told me that he would uh, get my son off of drugs God did that for me when God told me he would get me uh, uh, deliver me from cancer God did that for me when God told me that he would deliver me from lust and fornication is it anybody that can testify that what God said he would do for me God did it for me the reason that I stay faithful not only to this church but to the body of Christ is because I'm a living witness that the things that God has said in his word, God will honor that very thing. Is it anybody that knows that God is no shorter than his word? God began to tell the weeping prophet Jeremiah. He says, you know what, Jeremiah, look out and tell me what you see. And he said, I see the rod of an almond tree. And that he says, you know what, the almond tree shall be the first to flourish in its season. And God says, for thou hast well seen, for I will surely hasten my word to perform it. Saints, God is a performer of his word. And here he tells us, I've seen and heard what you are going through. And watch it, he still calls us my people. Saints, that's why we have when we read the Bible, we have to be uh, so locked in and we have to get rid of all distractions because, you know, we could easily read through that and miss the fact that God, even in the midst of our affliction, has said that, you know what, you are still my, my people. That means, you know what, if you're my people, then you're still in my hand. See, when you know that you are one of his, then you can walk into places where the enemy can't go. Y'all, I'm not just talking, I'm talking Bible. Because what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 15, I believe it is, or uh, it may, may even be 16, but I believe it's 1 Samuel chapter 15, uh, Saul begins to tell King David, he says, uh, thou art not able to go out and fight against this Philistine. And he says, you know what? David begins to tell Saul, King Saul, at which time David had already received the anointing of God, and later on he would be anointed by man. But he begins to tell King Saul, he says, it was a day 
thing when my, uh, I was keeping my father's flock and one of the sheep at New Scott Island got away. And when that sheep got away, I went out there after it. And you know what? It was a lion and a bear that took the sheep. And David said, I went out there after it. And you know what? He says, and I delivered the sheep out of the paw of the lion and the bear. You know what? But David was anointed to do that. And David was anointed to go into the place of a lion and a bear and pull the sheep back. How many of us know that you know what time you get outside that door, there are lions and bears in this life that are ready to grab the sheep out of the sheepfold? David said, I delivered the sheep. And then he testified in the subsequent verse. He says that God delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the bear. I went out there to rescue the sheep, he says. He says, but I, I got uh, the, the lion and the bear caught a hold of me. And he says, in the process, what happens is I grabbed the lion by his mouth. David said, because I was anointed, I took authority over the situation. Saints, it's time for us to stop operating in mediocrity, and it's time for the saints to start operating in and with authority. Saints, when he, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1 says that when he ordained his disciples, it said that he gave us the power to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. A good definition for all I've learned, Pastor Smith, is all. A good definition for all is all. Maybe I go and y'all mind if I go and preach at Garden of Memories right quick and come back? Y'all mind? Y'all got a little while? Let's go, Saint. We 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 just we just talking Bible this morning. We just talking Bible. Watch this, Exodus chapter. We we won't we won't keep you we won't keep you and burden you for too long. Exodus chapter three. Are we all still there? He says, my people which, which are in Egypt. God has seen it. We talked about that. God has heard your cry. We talked about that. God has still called you his people. We've talked about that. Even when we had gone astray, 1 Peter 2 and 25 says, now will we return to the shepherd and the bishop of our souls. But right here, he also says in verse 7, he says, uh, I have heard that cry by reason of their testimony. He says, I know their sorrows. That word sorrows in verse 7 is not a singular word if you're reading in the King James. It's a plural word. That means that you know what, whatever sorrow that might come up in, uh, against you in this life, whatever sorrow you might even have on this morning, that God already knows it. Verse 8, look what he says. He says, and I am come down. And he says to deliver I told you when I started saying that God is moving in a direction to deliver us. God, when, when, let's understand thing, one thing. When God moves, uh, God is not moving uh, for any willy-nilly reason. But when God moves, God moves not only with authority, but God moves for a purpose. He says, and I am come down to deliver. You know what the thing about it is? If we were to just, I think we have a little time, if y'all will be patient with me. I might even buy you a $6 dinner, but let me not tell that lie. I'll just, I'll just say that to see if y'all will stay woke. They do say stay woke, right? Better be woke in this word, if anything. 
He says, I'm come down to deliver you. And when we look at what's going on with Moses in its proper context, let's understand where Moses came from and let's understand the story and the life of Moses. Because the Bible would talk about in Exodus chapter 1, somewhere around verse 5 or 6, how that Joseph had died and all his brethren with him, it says, and all that generation. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 7 talks about how the children of Israel still multiplied and they increased, uh, they increased abundantly and they were fruitful. And it said that the land was filled with them. Exodus chapter 1 verse 8 says, and there was a new king that arose that knew not Joseph. Uh, Exodus chapter 1 and verse 9, the new king begins telling uh, his people, which are the Egyptians, he says, behold, the people are more and mightier than we. And then in Exodus chapter 1 verse 10, he says, come on, let us deal wisely with them. At least at any time any war falleth out and perhaps the children of Israel would even join against our uh, with our enemies and fight against us. Exodus chapter one and verse 11, it says, therefore, uh, they did set taskmasters over them to afflict them with burden and they built for them treasure cities such as Pithom and Ramses. Exodus chapter one and verse 12 is where we are blessed. Basil, thank you for turning there with me. Exodus chapter one and verse 12, it said that but the more they were afflicted, the more they multiplied and, and grew. Saints, it's, yes, it's still possible for us to grow and it's possible for us to multiply even despite going through our affliction. Uh, and then if we were to pick up in Exodus chapter 2 verse 1, if you still have your Bibles open, if anybody wants to uh, j just confirm what's going on in the word of God as we should, we should never let any preacher, any man of, or woman of God stand up and tell us anything and not confirm it for that word in our, with our, within ourselves. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1, it says, There came, or rather there went a man of, uh, a man out of the house of Levi, and he uh, took to wife one of the uh, daughters of Levi. Then in Exodus chapter 2, verse 2, it says, And uh, they began to have a child. It says, And when the woman, conce the woman conceived and bare a son, it says, And when she bare a son, she looked upon him and saw that he was a goodly child. It says, And when she saw that she hid him three months, talking about Moses, the people in verse 1 and verse 2 is talking about Moses' parents, which were known as Amram and Joshebed. Amram was Moses' father. Joshebed was Moses' mother. Joshebed was actually, believe it or not, y'all don't be messing but she was the auntie of Moses because she was his father. She was the she was the auntie of Moses because she was his father's. Uh, the, he, she was his father's auntie. So that would make her Moses' great auntie. And then verse 3 says, and when she could no longer hide him, uh, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and uh, had uh, daubed it with slime and with pitch, laid it uh, in the flags by the river's brink. And then, you know what, there comes a woman by the name of Miriam in Exodus chapter 2 verse 4. And the Bible begins to say that, you know what, his sister doesn't say Miriam, but it's talking about Miriam who at seven years old, uh, Exodus chapter 2 and verse 4 said that she stood off to wit or to watch or to witness what would happened to him. And then Exodus chapter 2 and verse 5, y'all still alive in here saints, Exodus chapter 2 and verse 5, it then begins talking about how the daughter of Pharaoh uh, had came to wash herself by the river's brink, and it said that her maidens came also alongside with her, and they walked along the riverside. And it says, and then it was Moses, it was uh, the daughter of Pharaoh, I believe somewhere around verse 6, and it says that uh, Pharaoh's daughter had saw that something was in the Nile River. It said that she saw 
destroying the ark. And then she uh, sent the, her maids over there to go and fetch it. It says, and when she had opened it, behold, the babe wept. And it says she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the uh, Hebrew children. And it says, you know what, then uh, Miriam had came to her, Miriam, who all the while had been back in the darkness and back in the shadows. It says that Miriam had actually uh, come out and presented herself uh, before Pharaoh's daughter. And Miriam, at seven and nearly years old, she began to say, shall, shall I call one of the Hebrew midwives uh, to come and nurse the child for thee? At which time, yes, the woman, Pharaoh's daughter, says, yes, go and uh, get me a midwife so that she might come and nurse the child for me. Uh, she goes uh, to get a midwife, her mother, which is, again, Jochebed. And you know the interesting thing is that even before that point, we actually see no communication between uh, Miriam and her mother. Even when Miriam is just standing afar off in the distance, uh, her mother is putting her baby brother, her newborn baby brother at three months old, into the Nile River, a river that uh, geologists would even tell us would stretch about some 4,300 miles. Uh, and she says absolutely nothing. She just stands idly by. And you know what? As soon as the woman, which is Pharaoh's daughter, gets her baby and pulls him out of that or has compassion on him, uh, identifies him as one of the Hebrews' children, uh, then we find where, uh, where Miriam goes and she begins having this conversation with Pharaoh's daughter. And the Bible would say, if we were to put things in its proper context, it would talk about how then when Moses was grown, it should be around uh, Exodus chapter 2, verse 10, perhaps when Moses was grown, it said that he decided uh, to go and visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Let's look at something between Exodus chapter 2, verses 9, 10, and 11. Because in Exodus chapter 2, verse 9, Moses is still a baby. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 10, it talks about how the child grew. In Exodus chapter 2, uh, verse uh, 11, somewhere around there, it began saying that Mo when Moses was grown. So between three short verses, Moses actually goes from a baby to a 40-year-old man. Oh, my. How, how, and we think our kids grow up fast. Between three short verses, he goes from a baby to a full-grown man. And the Bible says that when Moses was grown, that he decided to go and visit his brother and the children of Israel. But Hebrews 11 and 24 would tell the story like this. It says, and when Moses, by faith, when Moses was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It would also talk about how he had forsook Egypt, not, flee, not uh, fearing the wrath of the king. And one thing we need to realize about Moses is that Moses has come out of several different places. He came out of his mother's belly. He came out of the Nile River. He came out of his mother's house. He went into Pharaoh's house, but then he came out of Pharaoh's house. And then he would eventually go into the house uh, of the priest Jethro in Midian, or the priest, if you will, Ruel in Midian. And he would eventually make his way out of that also. Yes. Just a little bit of context about Moses. And where we are in Exodus chapter 3, let's understand one thing, saints. That God begins speaking to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. And before Exodus chapter 3, we don't find any conversation taking place between God and what is now an 80-year-old Moses. Isn't it something how Moses is now an 80-year-old man and the first word, the first conversation rather that we find, Minister Terrell, between him and God is when he's an 80-year-old man. 
let's think about one thing. Because Exodus chapter 2 and verse 12, it would begin to tell us how that Moses, when he got over there where his brethren were, that he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew. Bishop Smith, you talk about this one all the time. That may be Exodus chapter 2 and verse 11. Exodus, that was Exodus 2 and 11. Exodus 2 and 12 says that after that, it says that he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no man, it said that he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Exodus chapter 2, verse 2, Moses has been living a life of hiding at three months because his mother hid him three months. In Exodus chapter 2 and verse 3, his mother hides him in the Nile River. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 12, Moses then slays the Egyptian and hides him in the sand. And then in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 6, the verse right before y'all know where our scripture picks up on this morning, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 6, it said that the Lord began to call out unto Moses at 80 years old and said unto him, Moses, Moses. And when he said that, it says that Moses then hid his face from God for he was afraid to look upon him. Let's go, say That's just a little bit of context, but we all still home. And isn't it amazing that although Moses was a murderer at 40 years old and now he's an 80-year-old man, well, again, 40 years have passed since the time that he murdered the Egyptian and now the time that God has called him. Isn't it amazing that even as a murderer that God still used him? Can I go ahead and make my way to the cross now? and tell you how they hung him high and they stretched him wide from the third to the ninth hour. And tell you how that in Mark 15 and 25, at the third hour, Jesus Christ was crucified. Tell you how in Mark 15 and 33, that at the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the land, even until the space of the ninth hour. And tell you that in Mark chapter 15 and verse 34, at the ninth hour, Jesus began to cry out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means in, from Greek to Hebrew, is my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Can I go ahead and tell you how they pierced him and how they beat him up? Can I go ahead and tell you the story about how they had, uh, the Bible says, and I believe, it's Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 10 or that it pleased God to bruise him and he has put him to grief. Hold on one minute. I don't want to tell it just yet. Let's go, saints. And in verse 8 of Exodus chapter 3, he says, you know what? And I am come down to deliver. You know what the interesting thing is? Y'all, I'm just trying to take my time because that word dealing with God and Moses is so rich and it's so heavy. It seems like you just never get to the end of the pot. Y'all know how we scrape that gumbo sometimes and scrape them spaghettis and, and we just can't stand when we get to the end of the pot even though that's the best. <laughs> Let's go, y'all. It says, I am come down to deliver. And God here is telling Moses that he's heard them, he's, he's seen what they're going through. Now, you know what the thing is, is that the children of Israel at this point, just to put things in its proper context, the children of Israel have been in slavery to the Egyptians and have been oppressed by the Egyptians almost 150 years. You, you know what is something, Pastor Smith? Exodus chapter 2 around verses 23 and 24, it would talk about how God had even heard their groaning and he had even heard their cry by reason of their taskmaster. And rather than answering them, God didn't even answer them, but he turned around and told Moses, Moses, I've heard them. Isn't it something that Moses didn't even have to endure what the children of Israel endured? But you know what? He still 
sent Moses, a man who the Bible said that when he got to Jethro's uh, daughters, as he sat down by a well, and the shepherds came and ran his daughters away, his seven daughters of which would come his wife Zipporah. It says that uh, Moses had stood up and helped the women, after which time uh, 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 Jethro had began to ask his seven daughters, where is the man and why have you left him? Uh, call him that he may eat bread. And not only that, but the Bible would talk about how, yes, uh, Jethro had not only given Moses a house in his house, uh, he had given, he had fed him, he had given him food, uh, he had given him a place to stay, and he even gave him his daughter Zipporah. Jethro even gave Moses a job, and his job is found in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1 because it said that he's keeping the sheep or keeping the flock of the priest Jethro, his father-in-law. Ah, oh, let's go, saints. We rolling. And I am come down for a purpose, and that purpose is to deliver. When we ask God to move, saints, we're looking for God to move with purpose. And because God, uh, we are anticipating God to move for a purpose, then we should be moving with purpose also. So many times we've prayed to God and asked God to deliver. I like this that they put it up because they give me a little prop while I'm preaching. But so many times we'll ask God to deliver us and we'll ask God to move. But when God moves and God begins to deliver us, then we just sit idly by as though our work is finished. Jesus says from the right hand of power in Revelation chapter 22, he says, and behold, I'm coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give unto every man according as, as his work shall be. And the blessed part for us is in Revelation 22 and 16. He says, I, Jesus, have put my angel in the churches to testify to you of these things, that I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning. So he says, I put my angel in the church. Let's go, saints. Them, watch this, out of the hand of the Egyptians. There it is. Out of the hand. And to bring them up out of, of that land. Not, not just pulling us out of his hands, but pulling us out of the enemy's land. And we just need to stop for a moment on this morning and ask ourselves the question, are we still residing in the enemy's land? Come out, come out wherever you are. And to bring them up out of that land, he says, unto a good land and a large flowing with milk and honey, unto the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Amorites, the Parasites, and the Jebusites. Y'all, if y'all hadn't heard anything else that I said, listen close, please. True deliverance is not when you say God delivered you and you're still in the same place that you are. It's right there in the scriptures. Because God says in verse 8 that I'm coming to deliver them. And my deliverance is marked and identified by bringing people out. And not only does he say that I'm bringing them out, but he says first I'm bringing them up. Deliverance, saints, is not when God, or not when we say that God has delivered us and we, we're still in the same place that we are. I told y'all the story of David and Saul when he said that the Lord delivered, I delivered the sheep out of the mouth and, uh, of the lion and the bear, and God delivered me out. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, Peter the apostle would write these words to Jews of the dispersion. Lord, help me. He says, God knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. 
And so if we are still in the place where we say that God has delivered us from, we need to ask ourselves within ourselves, has God truly delivered us? And right here he says, what I'm doing, I'm coming down, I'm moving on your behalf, and I'm moving to deliver you. I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, he says, and also to bring them. If I bring you, see, you're in the hand of the enemy, but if I bring you, I really can't bring you unless I put my hand on you. Unless I touch you, I really can't bring you. You're a tall man to bring, though. And to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Watch what he says. He says a good land. It's a large land. And he says it's flowing. He's describing the place that he's bringing us to. What he's purposed to do by his coming down and moving on the behalf of his children, uh, he has a purpose to bring us into somewhere uh, that is, A, is going to be bigger, or, or rather going to be better. That's good. He says, large, that's bigger. He says, and, and a land that is flowing. Now watch it. He says, with milk and honey. Milk and honey is symbolic of our wants and our needs. But God said that he's bringing you to that place. But what we have to do in the meantime is submit ourselves unto his will. How many of us know that the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 14, they had began to uh, question Moses. They didn't question God, but they questioned Moses. And they said, uh, why is it that you have done this to us? Why, why have you dealt this way with us? It would have been better for us uh, to perish in Egypt. At least we would have had a decent burial. You know what? Some of us have spent so long in affliction and have spent so long in the enemy's hand, the enemy's land, and see the enemy's camp that, you know what, we don't even realize the blessing when it's sitting right before us. God is moving in a direction to deliver us, and the question on this morning is, will you be there to go back with him when he comes? Flowing with milk and honey, it's flowing with our wants and our needs. He says, until the place, again, this is God moves them from Egypt to another place. That's deliverance. Unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come. He says, unto me. He says, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed. Come now, therefore, watch this. Because in verse 5 of Exodus chapter 3, when Moses goes to Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai, in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 5, the Lord told him, wait, don't, don't, don't come near me. Take off the shoes of your feet for the place that you are standing on is holy ground. Moses had to be obedient because in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 5, he comes forward and God tells him, hold on, wait, uh-uh, don't, don't come a step further. He says, take off the shoes of thy feet for the place that, y'all stand, that you are standing on is holy ground. And then in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, the Bible says, he said, okay, now come on. He says, and now come on. He says, and I'm going to send thee over there to deliver them. Hold on, wait, God. You said you was going to deliver them. I'm scared. I can't go. I'm an old man. <laughs> Moses is an 80-year-old man. And Moses still has doubts about where God is sending him. Moses is an 80-year-old man. And Moses still has doubts about where God is sending him. 
God told him, he said, because Moses began to say, you know what, Lord, I'm not worthy. And he said, Lord, I'm, what, what am I going to say to them? He says, Lord, oh, uh, I'm not of an eloquent speech. Actually, I'm of a slow tongue. Moses was saying, I'm, I'm, I'm slow. That's what he said. How many of us know for each of the four excuses that Moses had given to God why he couldn't go, God gave him the reason why he was sending him. All church, it's time to stop the excuses, and it's time to start accepting the responsibility that God has set before us. Mm. It's hard, but it's fair. Mm. Mm. What was that old commercial? Chew on that. Saints, we, 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 we going home. We won't, we won't touch on verses uh, 9 and 10, but I do want to highlight just a few things before I close. Because the children of Israel, the Bible talked about how in Genesis chapter 15 and 13, it talked about how in Acts chapter 7 and 6, that the children of Israel would be oppressed for 430 years. But I told you that what has happened is that they have only physically been in that land and under the oppression of the Egyptians for about 150 years. So what is going on in the text? I, 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 need, I, need, I think I'm going to need Basil to help me. If you will. I think, I think you're pretty, pretty quick-handed on the keyboard and, and, and perhaps in your study. I do believe that in my spirit. Because Genesis 15 and 13, and Acts chapter 7 and verse 6 says that the children of Israel would be in oppression and slavery for 430 years. But then Exodus chapter 12 and 40, it says that the children of Israel will sojourn in a strange land for 400 years. I, I'm having an issue with that. Because, see, if I was to read my word in a carnal mind, I would put my Bible down and I would say that God has lied in his word. Because on one hand, Genesis 15 and 13 and Acts 7 and 6 talks about 430 years. But then Exodus 12 and 40 talks about 400 years. And rather it's 430 or rather 400. Why is it that the children of Israel have only been there for nearly 150? Basil, you mind helping me? Uh, uh, well, I'm going I'm, to I'm, I'm, I'm let... Well, if, if, you, I, I'm a, if, if you would just be my, uh, my ready writer. Let's talk a little bit. Because Genesis chapter 12 and verse 4, it talks about how Moses was 75, amen, years old. And so from Moses being 75 years old until the time, I believe it's in, is in Genesis 21 and 5, it talks about how he had given birth unto his son Isaac when he was 100 years old. So, so 75, but yeah, that's, what, what do we have? 100 minus 75, what does that give us? 25. Let's keep in our mind 25 years. Okay. I believe that is Genesis chapter 25 and verse 26 that says that uh, Isaac was 60 years old when he begat Jacob. Let's add 60. Oh, my goodness. That, we at 85? 
the Bible would talk about when Jacob had came into Egypt. I believe it's Genesis. I got so many scriptures in my head, I don't even know. I believe it's somewhere around Genesis, thank you, Lord, 47 and verse 9. It would say that Jacob was 130 years old when he had came into Egypt. That's Genesis 47 and 9. So 85 plus 130, I think we're getting somewhere. Who said it? Somebody said it. 215. So we're, we're halfway to those 430 years. Okay, okay. Well, 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 let, let, let's think about it. Let's think about it a step further. Because if we go, if we take Joseph dying at 110 years old, and the Bible talks about how he was uh, 39 years old when his father Jacob had come into Egypt and stood before Pharaoh at, what was it, 130 years old? So 110, 110 is how old Joseph was when he died. And 39 is how old Joseph was when he had, uh, when his father had come into Egypt. So let's do 110 minus 39. That should give us 71. So 215 plus 71. Let me, let me call Clico. Let me, let me call Clico right quick. <laughs> So we had 286. And so 286, watch this. I told y'all that they had been there for about the space almost of 150 years. So 286 plus 144 would give us 430 years. Let's talk about it. 215 years uh, were they there, uh, or that's how long it took them to get into Egypt. 71 years, 215 plus 71, the 71 years is how long they were in Egypt and were not oppressed to the Egyptians. And then the 144 years is how long they were there under oppression, equaling up to 430 years. But we still have an issue. What, what happens? Yeah, we're getting ready to go because I know y'all waiting on Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> but, but what happens? Because, again, we saw in one place 430 years. But Exodus 12 and 40 said 400 years. What happens in Exodus, uh, or rather what happens in Genesis chapter 15, chapter 15 and verse 13, and what happens uh, in Acts chapter 7 and verse 6, is that the scripture very specifically points not just to Abraham, but to his seed. And we find it written, I believe, in Genesis uh, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, it talks about how that Isaac would be his seed. Okay. So how do we get to 400 years from 430? We exclude Abraham. That would take off 25 years because, again, it's not talking about him in Exodus 12 and 40. So we would remember when Basil did 100. That was the age of uh, that was the age of Abraham when he had given birth unto his unto his son Isaac. And he he left his land, which was in Haran, at 75. 100 minus 75 is 25. But it's not talking about Abraham. So let's take that off. 
we still need five years to get down from 430 to 400. We've got the 25. We still need five more years. Because Isaac was his seed, it started at Isaac, what's talking about, what has been, been talked about in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 40. And the Bible would say that when Isaac was five years old, that Isaac began to be mocked, Genesis 21 and 9, Isaac began to be mocked by his brother Ishmael. And that's where his affliction started. It's hard, but it's fair, saints. Pastor Smith, you want to open the doors of the church? Yes, sir. We laugh, but you know what? I've been to many churches, and this is just something before I close. I've been to many churches where men and women of God will take that privilege of opening the doors unto themselves. That's highly an error. Because the bishop or the overseer has been given as the watchman over our souls. So with that being said, if there be one on this morning so desiring to be saved and so desiring to receive Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, you may make your way to the altar at this, at this current time or whatever there is that's troubling you. Again, we must be reminded that God is moving in a direction to deliver us. And, and I don't know about y'all, but even uh, after having been saved, sometimes I still need God to come in and work some things out for me. See, when we get saved, a lot of times people think that it just stops right there. And, and people think that, oh, that life is just a bed of roses. But, y'all, sometimes we still go through things. If there's anyone on this morning so desiring in their heart to be saved, if there's anybody that's so desiring to be baptized, if there's anyone seeking prayer on this morning, for the scripture says, whosoever will, let them come, and he will in no wise cast them out. Again, saints, he has given us power. He says that he's given us power not only to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease, but he said that he's given us power even over all the power of the enemy. And you know what he told us that's so sweet and special for us as believers? He says that nothing shall by any means hurt us. I told y'all what a good definition of all was. Anybody remember? All. A good definition of nothing is nothing. He says that nothing shall by any means hurt us. That means those folks on your job that's trying to hurt you, they won't hurt you. Those folks in the community that's trying to hurt you. People that's trying to come up against your finances and people that are trying to come up against marriages, a union, a special and a sacred union that God has instituted. It says that they won't hurt you. The enemy is desiring to take us out. The Bible says in the end of days, it says that the Antichrist will come and that he will make war with the saints. It says for time, times, and the dividing of time, meaning three and a half years. It says that he will prevail against the saints. But Daniel would say in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 22, he says, I beheld until God, the ancient of days, came. And he says that judgment was given unto the saints. He says and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Will there be another on this morning? The invitation is ours to extend, is yours either to accept or reject.
God bless you. We hope that this message has encouraged your heart. We invite you to come worship with us at our Sunday school service beginning at 9 a.m. Our morning worship service at 11 a.m. Bible study every Wednesday night from 7 to 8. If you would like to correspond with this ministry, you can write us at 2627 Willow Glen Road, Alexandria, Louisiana. Again, thank you, and may God bless you.